Welcome to a brand new episode of Backpass with Ras. We're back after a long delay. The last show we had was on Manchester City. I thought it was a bit of a novel idea because a lot of people were asking on are there any City fans. So I thought I knew a couple of fans that were supporting from the 90s before they got rich. So we interviewed them. Good time speaking to them actually because you know we spoke a lot about old school football and how City were before they got rich. Unfortunately, the episode didn't catch on as I thought it would, but you kind of know the reason as well because most of their following probably came about in the last decade or so. So anyways, yes, uh, introducing with me today, I've got resident young man Kelvin Singh. How are you doing, Kelvin? Good, man. Good, good, good. I'm not surprised, uh, you know, uh, the, the episode didn't catch on. Uh, I mean, City just got famous like in uh, five or six years, past five or six years when they start playing. Imagine telling those those young folks, um, do you know that your left back was this player called Sanji Hai or like uh, Sean Gota? Sean yeah. Gota was your striker. They'll be shocked if they, I'll be shocked if they even know this player called Nicholas Anelka. So, so that's, that's, yeah. that's that for the City fans. Yeah, true, true, true. Because there were a lot of names I think maybe the young fans today will not know or will not even have heard of. So yeah, anyways, we got a bit of news to share as well. There will no longer be any uh, young blood in our show. We only will have resident young man Kelvin because young blood has done a pork back and gone back to his previous uh, Joe back, man. Podcast. Joe back. Yeah, Joe back. Uh, going back to his previous podcast, uh, we wish him well. Anyways, I think he's he's rocking it down there, enjoying uh, himself. So nice uh, having you on the show, uh, Joel. And hope to have you back as a guest one day. You were a guest as well uh, once upon a time, actually. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to this episode, Kel. What's your earliest memory of FC Barcelona? Oh, Barcelona, man! I think the earliest memory I had was many years ago when uh, this player, Rivaldo, actually uh, did this bicycle kick against Valencia. And mm. uh, and it was absolutely amazing because, you know, previously, I didn't used to catch the whole game, just just uh, highlights of, of the games when I was younger. Um, but that goal, amazing goal, uh, Rivaldo scored uh, many years ago. And also when Ronald, uh, Ronaldinho, uh, ditched us. I mean, I'm a United supporter, so when I say ditched us, it's ditch United. And he signed for. I was literally buying the new paper every single day just to follow the Ronaldinho saga. And then at, at the next moment, uh, he joined Barcelona. So that was actually uh, that's another memory I had. Um, uh, <laughs> first few memory of Barcelona. Yeah, I remember those two as well. But yeah. uh, for my generation and perhaps a bit older than me, we would remember Barcelona from the later years of the European Cup, as he was known then, and the early years of the Champions League through this team called the Barcelona Dream Team. Hated by Johan Cruyff, a legend, the late Johan Cruyff, I must say. And uh, to speak about FC Barcelona, we've got with us a returning guest, he spoke about Real Madrid's Galacticos. Now it's the turn of FC Barcelona. It's none other than a former pundit on Fox Sports, ESPN Sports. Uh, is that is it ESPN Sports? No, it is ESPN only. No ESPN Sports. It's Star Sports. <laughs> I was very tempted to say Sky Sports, but it's no. not on Sky Sports. But yeah, I think they used to call Star ESPN Sports. Star. I think yeah, ESPN it was ESPN Star, Star yeah. correct. That's right. Yeah. And Mayo Stadium, our resident 
Spanish football expert, Mr. Antonio Kodinek. How are you doing, Antonio? Hola, I'm doing well, uh, Russ. Uh, I'm doing well, Russ and Kelvin, and and thank you very much for for having. I guess uh, because you guys want to talk about something that happened a few decades <laughs> ago. You are you are bringing somebody with with a lot of uh, gray hair. But no jokes aside. <laughs> uh, thank 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 you very much for your very generous uh, introduction. As as uh, we know each other for for quite a long, uh, Russ in yeah. particular. You know that, uh, yeah. I like I like football. I like all all kind of football. And since I left my hometown Barcelona, I've been been trying my best to to keep up and and yeah, be informed of things that are happening and what sort of developments, in particular, La Liga La Liga is going through. So an absolute pleasure to to be here and to share, yeah, a little bit maybe more deeper knowledge of of that uh, those fantastic years that Barcelona went through when when the team was managed by by the late Johan yeah and also interesting to note i normally we normally try to get a fan on the show as well but we could not mm. get a barcelona fan from that era but i'm sure a lot of people like you know as i say people from my generation will remember that barcelona team and they will surely be listening up probably you have some soft spot for barcelona because of the way they played or because of the late Johan Cruyff or the players they had in that time, you know. So, yeah, moving on, getting straight into the show, Antonio. And I, in fact, Antonio, I told Kelvin yeah. about, about you and that you're from yes. Barcelona, but you actually support their neighbours, Espanyol. So, he told me, it's like <laughs> getting a show, you're talking about Manchester United, I got a City fan to speak about Manchester United. <laughs> and that that you are you are spot on and i think you know it gives a different perspective it's gonna you know it gives a different value to the to the show but as i say you know i, I do like sports in general i do follow uh football and you know i'm happy to to share but yes uh i cannot be perfect therefore i need to support the other <laughs> the other team the other team in the in the city which we have by the way great hopes uh for this season Maybe one day you will call me to talk about the Espanol, Espanol and I will be yeah. delighted to do so. All right. So, okay, going on. Yeah. Uh, Antonio, Johan Cruyff was appointed in 1988 as You're the right. manager of FC Barcelona. So what was his vision when he took over of FC, take, took over the managerial role at FC Barcelona? Barcelona? So the the main reason, uh, as as I can remember, that Johan was was brought is to pretty much to implement a, a revolution. Barcelona came from from some years where I, I do remember that a few years before he arrived, there was some sort of like a strike by the players in a hotel near the mm-hmm. stadium against the president. They were not happy. So overall, the atmosphere at the club was really really. Uh, negative, and I do believe that president by then, Josep Luis Nunez, which is one of a legendary president that Barcelona has had. Uh, you know, let's say, okay, uh, you know, Johan had a successful career as a player at FC Barcelona. Uh, don't forget that he only played five years. Sometimes you talk to people, mm. and then they say, "Oh, Johan Cruyff played for so long for Barcelona." Not really. It's just, I mean, it is five years, which is you know a, a solid contract but not not a long time so i believe the idea was to bring him to really implement uh, a revolution and to change the club from top to bottom and when i say top to bottom i'm talking about not only from the way 
uh, fans will perceive the team or the style of football, but also he wanted to implement his idea of football, which is not other than the old Ajax of Amsterdam and 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 Holland national team that it Total was football. quite uh, yeah correct. So th that it was quite quite successful. So the idea was like, okay, we're gonna bring Johan and he's gonna change from top to bottom. So we're talking about the school of football. So younger categories already starting to to play or, or trying to play into into that style. He revolutionized the the squad. He brought in some players. We will talk about uh, a few of them. Uh, and it was bumpy right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, just just to say. But then later on, he was able to assemble uh, a solid team, new faces, and being the main uh, the main target, the European Champions League, which they acquired in you know, they won in 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 Wembley in '92 with the yeah. famous goal of Ronald Koeman. Yeah, was he responsible for La Masia? Well, he was definitely was. I w I won't say directly in charge, but of course he shared his idea of football, and he say if we want Barcelona to have a unique style to implement this idea, and most important to have a legacy, we need to start from early ages. So early ages is definitely La Masia and all the previous category before you reach. Uh, you reach La, La Masia and that is something that is still alive and is one of the, you know, DNA, as, as they call it, those experts of football, uh, that Barcelona, not only they need to win, they need to win playing beautiful football. And if those two things don't happen, the club, the aficionados seem not to be happy. And I'm mm. going to recall most recent years, I believe no more than three, four, five years, and Barcelona, they fire their manager, Ernesto Valverde, who is today currently managing Athletic de Bilbao, when he was at the top of the table after winning two La Liga titles consecutively. Mm. And they fired them, I believe it was in January, in February, because the team was not playing beautiful football, believe it or not. It's like if, I don't know, uh, tomorrow Manchester City, and I, I mean last year when City were on top of the, of the table, fires Pep Guardiola because they are not playing good football. I'm sure you guys will be very happy, but it's difficult to understand, especially now in modern football, right, where those... You know, magic three points means so much. They mean money and and everything. Barcelona did it four five years ago. They they suck Ernesto Valverde. That's a bit of a crazy thought as well, right, Kel? You've you've seen it as well as a Manchester United fan. Different managers have like stayed on in the job for a long time before they get the sack. Can we just can we just skip all questions with regards to Manchester United until uh, further notice? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just a comparison. Yeah. That's why, you yeah. know, teams like Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid and all, right. they don't wait too long to win uh, league titles, win Champions League and all because they don't have the time to wait. It's always I mean, they're that. decisive. I think, I think what Antonio was saying, you know, uh, doing well, so what? You know, they want to play a certain way. 
they believe that this is their identity. This is how they should play football. So they are very decisive. Um, for Madrid, I think it's completely different. I think they just want to win. Who cares what happens? Uh, they they just sack their managers at will. Uh, as long as they are winning, they are good. They are not winning, managers are gone. Uh, Barcelona is a bit different. They like to play beautiful. So I think they they, I think they are they are in 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 similarity. They are both very decisive teams. Mm. They're talking about Real Madrid very nicely. Uh, Antonio, Johan Cruyff broke Real Madrid's uh, dominance at that point of time, right? Because well, I, you you spoke about the bumpy, right? But when he took over the job, they didn't win the La Liga immediately. They didn't win much immediately. It took them a bit of time, and then he broke their uh, dominance, and then they dominated. Yeah, and they dominated for a while, not not for too long, because if I'm not wrong, Johan was in as you know until 1996, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so mm. it's pretty much eight years overall. And I have to say that uh, uh, his his exit from the club was not uh, was not fantastic. I still remember the catastrophe uh, in that UEFA Champions League final versus Milan oh, yeah. when they were crushed. For nil, right? If yeah. if you guys recall, you know, for sure it was the greatest yeah. Milan Milan ever. But yes, and and that is something to answer your question. Yes, definitely Barcelona. They did uh, they did break that dominance from from Real Madrid. And something that I want everybody watching this and and listening this uh, to understand is that you know uh, La Liga. For as much as we try our best, and once in a while we will get Atlético de Madrid or Valencia or Sevilla or another of the of the second tier teams doing great and having chances for the title, historically is a fight Real Madrid Barcelona. Period. That's very clear. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, you know uh, when when one team is doing well, the other one not. <laughs> so both teams cannot do well. That's very clear. <laughs> So of course you know Barcelona broke that that dominance therefore Barcelona, Real Madrid entered into a crisis nowadays these days as we are talking now Real Madrid you know seem to be on fire okay well let let's see what Barcelona is going to be doing with you know with the new signings and and and, and Xavi as a manager and so on but it's it's going to take a while and I do believe that nowadays football has doesn't have that patience and Barcelona has been a club that historically ha, ha, you know have not had any 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 patience in in that sense so going back to your question definitely johan you know helped barcelona to break that dominance from uh, from real madrid and grabbing a couple of uh, la liga titles and then the famous uh, uefa champions league uh, or, or european cups champions which you ask any barcelona fan and they will if you ask them for a for an event that changed the history of the club well, the most seniors will go back quite far back, but the the, the current ones will tell you that it, it, it was that game at uh, at Wembley that changed the history of the club. Okay, so just to point out, they've won actually one, two, three, four La Liga titles under Johan Cruyff at yeah, that point which time. In, yeah, which in eight years is 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 quite is is quite yeah, remarkable, yeah. right? Yes, yes, it's certainly commendable. Yeah. One Copa del Rey, three Super Copa de España, yeah. one European Cup, as you were saying, one European yeah. Cup Winners' Cup, and one European Super Cup. So that was that yes. period of we are, we are speaking about right now, the dream team period. So is it fair to say that the breaking Real Madrid's dominance was a driving force for Johan Cruyff and Barcelona? 
Yes, and, and let's see if I'm able to explain this. My point of view is that for FC Barcelona fans, that is a priority. Mm-hmm. Meaning, okay, we if if we do things well, if we are successful, of course Real Madrid won't, right? Yeah. I'm not I don't think it's the same the other way around. Okay. So the way I see it is that for me it is a high priority. I'm not saying it's the highest priority for Barcelona to make sure that Real Madrid doesn't succeed. Okay? But mm-hmm. if you ask Real Madrid fans, I'm not sure if they will put the priority of making sure that Barcelona are not successful as high as FC Barcelona fans will put it. Why do I want to say with this? Well, it's it's just, you know, it's it's just a difference. I think historically Real Madrid and more recent uh, has been uh, quite successful, in particular at at European at European uh, level, and always, you know, I'm not going to say underdogs because whenever they enter any competition, they are always favorites. But uh, yeah, that, that that is that is quite a big, big, big difference. And and for me, and I will just share one one uh, one data here one detail which is barcelona has had for the past 15 years most probably the best player if not ever but definitely top three right Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. do we agree yeah. we agree on yes. this yes how, how many how many uefa champions leagues with messi barcelona has won three so yeah so having the best player of all times for so long three four i'm not sure if is sufficient of course if we look back at the latest five six years is zero yeah you're right sure you know messi is already 30 30 plus so yeah, it's 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 a bit of 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 on 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 that sense, and I do have a feeling that yeah yeah for Real Madrid for Barcelona fans, it is it is a high priority. While for Real Madrid fans, it might not be a high priority. They just do their own things, and you know they 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 have their proper formula to be to successful to be successful with. They have show for so long. Mm, okay, now going to the first ever European Cup that Barcelona won. I think. Fans today might not realize that Barcelona did not win the European Cup until 1991-92. And then, you know, when you look back at the history of like Real Madrid and Liverpool or AC Milan, uh, Manchester United, all these clubs, they won the European Cup way back, you know, 50s, in the 50s, in the 60s, 70s. So, first of all, speak to us about the journey they made to the final. What kind of journey was that? Well, I, I remember that it was uh, it was very dramatic, and in particular because I've watched documentaries. Uh, I do believe that if you ask any Barcelona fan, uh, and you ask them, what do you remember about that UEFA Champions League or that European Cup final or journey until you guys reach uh, uh, the final in, in yeah. Wembley? Guarantee you they will mention one game that I think it was quarterfinals versus Kaiser Lauten in Germany, mm. where Jose Mari Baquero mm. scored with a headed in the extra time. And I want to share an anecdote here. 
Jose Mari Vaquero is not taller than 170 yeah, centimeters. Yeah. I, I remember him, versus yeah. versus German defenders, which were easy 190. So um, I'm sure you guys remember uh, Iniesta's goal yep. uh, versus Chelsea. Do you? Yes. Yeah. So Jose Mari Vaquero goal versus Causa Leighton was exactly the same in terms of relevance, in terms mm. of a turning point in a competition that really made that team believe. And then I do I do remember that Barcelona played semifinals that year versus Benfica, and then they played the final uh, versus uh, Fiorentina in, Sampdoria, in, in Wembley. Sorry, sorry, Sampdoria in, in Wembley. But that Kaiserlautern goal of Baquero was definitely a turning point, and I think what it really made FC Barcelona believe, like, okay, this could be our year. Okay, on to the final now. You're playing Sampdoria, yes. and at that <laughs> time, the Italian clubs were dominant in, in European football. And for long periods, the game was 0-0. The deadlock was not broken. We were into extra time. Do you think that at that point in time, Barcelona... I mean, Johan Christ is a very confident man. and uh, But do you think there was any seed of doubt in the minds of the Barcelona players in extra time? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that if you know if you could have the the chance to interview you, the answer would be would be yes. To the point that I do believe that uh, Johan and everybody were preparing, and I think there are some some sort of like uh, records on the on, online. Where of interviews where I think they were already preparing the list of who were going to to do the the, the penalty kick. Penalty kick. So, oh. yeah. So, uh, and I do believe that, for example, uh, Alexanko, which is a traditional FC Barcelona player that used to play uh, centre back, was introduced and what I think he subbed Julio Salinas, FC Barcelona mm-hmm. striker. Yeah. Uh, because he's a much better uh, penalty kicker than than Julio Salinas. So I think okay. uh, Johan and Reshak, who was his second by then, were already preparing uh, the the penalty the penalty the penalty kicks. And you can see, you know, if you go to any documentary or if you watch the game, you will see Johan biting his nails. He was standing around next to the next to the bench and. And definitely, I'm sure there were a lot of doubts. And, and I do believe that there were a lot of doubts because they knew that if they could win that game, it was going to change the history of the club. So there was a lot of responsibility in that sense. Mm. And what kind of a game was that, the final? I believe it wasn't. Not, I mean, I think the first half was a little bit like back and forth. Don't remember much about second half and extra time. Uh, you know, not always finals are the best, the best games. Uh, but they they play their card. Barcelona had by then uh, quite solid experience at national level players, mm. and uh, I do. I mean, if you watch the game again and again, uh, I, I, and if you talk to some Doria uh, fans, they will tell you that uh, as soon as the referee uh, whistle. Uh, for the free kick, they knew that that that's gonna be you know a big 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 chance because they knew of the skills of 
of of uh, of Ronald Koeman. Yeah, Ronald Koeman and his blockbuster free kick. So it was just yes. you know full power. The ball went through the wall into the back of the net. Thing a huge sigh of relief fell all over Barcelona. Barcelona won the European Cup that se- that this season, and uh, kudos to them. Right, you know, yeah. I think the moment the ball crashed into the back of the net, I think all Barcelona, who must have been some atmosphere. Do you remember uh, this, how you it know, was in uh, the streets? Well, very noisy, and and on all uh, FC Barcelona fans, they do celebrate in a specific area in the city center, and of course, you know, it's it's it's, it's a game that changed the history of a. Uh, of one of the most relevant clubs in in in, in European football in, in Spain, and of course they deserve to to celebrate and 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 yeah, pretty much there were some some really good uh, celebrations that year, of course. But as a Espanol fan, were you cheering on Sampdoria? Most probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, yeah, probably the yeah, first yeah. time you're supporting an Italian team, man. Uh. Yeah, yeah, most probably, most probably as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't really support them uh, often. Not be, not, not, not for any particular reasons. But uh, uh, yeah, most probably, I did support uh, Sampdoria by, by then. Yeah, uh, Sampdoria was also a very good team at that time. They're not oh, a traditional they traditional Italian really powerhouse, but uh, yeah. Got to put yeah. in a bit of Italian football in here for the for the moment, but going back You're to right. Barcelona, standout players in that dream team. Who are they? Uh I mentioned a couple of them already. Well, I think I mentioned Julio Salinas. Yeah, Alexanco. Uh, something that Johan did when he first came to Barcelona, he signed up three players. I think two or three players from Real Sociedad, which is a team in the up north in the Basque Country. Mm. Because they were they were La Liga winners around eighty two to eighty four, and I'm talking about Jose Mari Vaquero, which I already mentioned, yeah. Chiki Begiris, Chiki which is the, yeah, the director yeah. of football of Man City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Kelvin, yeah, exactly, yeah. Begiristain, huh? <laughs> and uh, and and other and other uh, good players, Goicoechea, which. He used to be a right wing, and under Johan became the best. Um, uh, how do you say the the best defender, uh, right uh, right defender, in, right back, in, in, in right Sp- back, right back, right back. Sorry, the best oh. the best right back in Spanish football. But he used to play for Osasuna in Spain, and he was a right wing. We cannot forget that every single team you must have. I would say a very good goalie, and we are talking about Andoni Zubizarreta, yeah. yeah, who was the goalie, even though he could not stop any penalty, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, oh, he! I do believe that he has like the worst record in terms of saving penalties. Yeah. I, I mean, so imagine I, I the team you... going to the final, the final going yeah. to the penalty shootout. Oh man! Well, no the, the reason, no, I guarantee you, they will have lost. I guarantee you, Zubizarreta uh, could not stop any penalties. Uh, and then, last but not least, as main, you know, star and improve. I mean, providing a lot of character and energy and power and uh, the famous uh, Risto Stoichkov, right? Yeah, Stoichkov. What about Romario? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, he he came in he came in uh, a, li- a bit later, later right? he, yeah, yeah, a little bit a little bit later after after Wembley, but uh, no, there was quite quite a nice group of uh, players, and as always, you know, uh, good atmosphere. Johan was a good uh, manager; he wanted to control everything, and and he was really, 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 you know, the father figure and 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 a boss. But I would say that there was a good mix of national players of good level as well as uh yeah foreigners like uh, like Stochkov, uh, Kuman, Michael late Michael Ladrup later on. Well no later on no because he played in Wembley as well. Uh, yeah. who else? Wolfram Wichge, if you remember the Dutch guy, uh, then Romario joined. So it was it was, you know, quite quite a very nice uh, mm. revolution. There was also a certain Pep Guardiola in that team. Exactly. I don't know if it sounds familiar to any anybody watching and listening. Yeah, this guy who lost his hair in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a good set of hair, I would say. And I would say he was probably a bit of a revolution. He was a bit of a revolutionary figure in the 90s because they don't really play with a deep-lying playmaker. Teams don't really play with deep-lying playmakers back then, right? You were always box-to-box central midfielders. But there, here you have Pep Guardiola playing this specialist role that now has become so glamorized. Yeah, so it's it's funny because um, because uh, Pep Guardiola was the extension of Johan Cruyff on the pitch. Xavi hmm. uh, was the extension of... Uh, of Guardiola on the pitch. Nowadays, Pedri is the extension of Xavi yeah. on mm. the pitch, right? Yeah. So you always yeah. need that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so so now you you always need that guy who is really you know, yeah, the extension of the of the manager, and 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 every single team should have one of them in Barcelona. Is it has been so so easy to to identify that. That correlation in between manager and and player, right? Player. Hmm. Any player that you felt uh, probably was underrated that you have not mentioned yet? Look, uh, I'm very I'm very happy that that uh, you are asking me this question because one of the things that Johan uh, was not fantastic at was. Uh, with signings and he had a few more than one bluffs and hiccups of okay we're gonna sign this and because it was recommended or it was proposed by Johan the the club follow what Johan said right Mm. okay we need to bring this guy from can't remember some country in Latin America Romerito Uh. yeah or we need to bring this couple of guys from uh, sign them from Espanol, believe it or not. A Russian player called Korneyev and a Spanish striker called Skatch, who for you mean nothing. I remember them well, but there were a little bit of, you know, players that they were lesser known. They didn't have a lot of impact in the club. And I have to say that Johan had a few of those not every signing that he proposed was outstanding but because he was such an entity and such a father figure for the club 
nobody was brave enough to criticize him and say, you know, no. okay, maybe we should we should we should manage this uh, uh, better. But of course, on the other side, he had good signings uh, later on, and we say uh, Romario, and you know, he was the one convincing Laudrup to join the team and the three players or four players from Real Sociedad. Uh, so yeah, he he was he was um, he was really good at managing the changing room and of course to and 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 convincing players to play uh, uh, his idea of uh, of football, which I think nowadays is a key uh, like a, a key component of those yeah. yeah of of those good managers. Right? Is the manager able to convince these players to play this way rather than? the way they've been playing always. Mm. And I think on that point as well, of, on signings that didn't work, I think there's another guy, Jorge Haji, who didn't oh, work, but well, was a fantastic well, player. Uh, well, I think Jika came in after the, well, I don't know if it was either after or just before the 1994 World Cup in the US. And I yeah, believe... Just before Ru- that, yeah. Ru- yeah, before that. So Romania did a very decent World Cup, I remember. In nineteen ninety, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Jika High scored quite quite some very good goals. But uh yeah, I remember him having maybe one two decent years, but not not having a fantastic career at uh, Barcelona. It's very interesting and I, I will say this again because yeah, uh, not all the signings that Johan brought into Barcelona were you know, successful. And he had more than a handful of those players that you go, what, like, huh? what are you talking about? Do you remember someone called Winston Bogarde? Yes, I do. Yeah. This guy played for FC Barcelona? Yeah. But I thought it was a Louis Van Gaal signing. He wasn't a Louis Van Gaal signing. I know, I know. But sometimes, I was just mentioning him Ah, as as part of, you know, this approach to sometimes managers, they go... You know, they go, they go cuckoo, and they bring players, and at the end, you know, it's no, that's that's not gonna work. All right, just to sum up this uh, first segment, just to round yes. out the first segment, how would you describe Cruyff's legacy at Barcelona? I mean, um, if I'm not wrong, three weeks ago, Barcelona. Uh, when they were in the U.S. tour, uh, they auctioned an NFT, NFT piece of, of NFT piece of of Johan Cruyff. So I think by saying that, I'm answering uh, uh, was that it, question. I don't was know. it close to half a million or something? They they actually sold. Well, I, I don't I don't have that that the detail, but the reason why I mention is because after so long. Uh, you know, it's so very, very obvious that uh, it's the guy who changed the history of the club. Is the guy that the club wants every single team manager play his style of football, of course, with an evolution, which is something that Pep did very well. Xavi is trying hard. Luis Enrique also did a very good job. Yeah, he mm. kind of like, you know, evolved into that, that style of football. Uh, yeah. And I do believe that if Barcelona didn't need the money, instead of being called uh, Spotify Cam Nou, it should be called uh, Johan Cruyff uh, Cam Nou. Mm. But anyway, it's the, the training, the training camp, the training facilities are already called 
uh, Johan Cruyff. Yeah. All right. So, just a bit of correction. Jorge Haji was signed in '94, so that was after the World Cup. Yes, yeah, after USA. the World yeah, Cup. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he yeah. lasted as long as uh, Johan Cruyff. So '96, he was gone. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. All right. So we bring the end this uh, first segment speaking about Barcelona's dream team in 1992. Now handing over to Kelvin to bring us to the present. All right, welcome back to uh, Back Pass with Ras, with me, Kelvin, now leading the second part. Um, wow, what an informative uh, first half with uh, Johan Cruyff. Uh, I actually like uh, uh, coming on to, to shows like this because, uh, you know, I get to learn a lot of information uh, of teams uh, back in the 90s and how they set up. And, you know, Antonio, I think you, you shared it uh, beautifully of... of how uh, Johan Cruyff, the late Johan Cruyff, actually shaped up how um, Barcelona, Barcelona uh, is today. Yes, yes, 100%. Actually, fun fact, I actually went to the Barcelona Stadium uh, oh. and, and I think it's it's magnificent. I, you know, I was just so awestruck, uh, you know, when I was there. Barcelona, I mean, the city itself, you know, it's, it's, it's just something else. Um, so, yeah, so moving on to my question here, uh, which modern day era uh, Barcelona was your favorite. Maybe we can start from maybe after the two thousand. Um, you know, any 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 uh, any favorites from there? Well, I think in terms of uh, in terms of managers that left a mark. Yes. Right. If we if we start from the from the two thousands, uh, and 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 again, if you talk to any 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 fans and and someone that. Pretty much continue an, an improved version of what Johan started. Uh, we cannot skip or we cannot forget to mention uh, Louis Van Gaal, right? So Louis mm-hmm. Van Gaal, and again, right? Once again, connection Barca, FC Barcelona, Holland, Ajax, yeah, whatever mm-hmm. love affair that uh, have had the club with with the country uh, history, yeah, it's 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 still there. So. Louis van Gaal definitely uh, is 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 that guy that is brave enough to 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 decide that Xavi is going to be his main uh, playmaker and that he's going to put uh, I believe Messi as well and 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 so on. So that is that is very very clear. Uh, and yeah, Jose of, Mourinho as assistant, right? Yeah, Jose At Mourinho was there so. as a translator. As a translator, Paul Bengal. Okay, I thought it was only for Bobby Robson. D- no, 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 Mourinho's no. Mourinho's no, journey no, no. is pretty incredible. How no, he no, went no, from no. a translator yeah, yeah. to a Champions League winner is it's, it's, oh. <laughs> Mourinho has Mourinho has ten books. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, Mourinho lands in Barcelona because he's the translator of Bobby Robson. You are right. Right. But right. then he stays at the club. And then when Louis Van Gaal arrives, then he becomes more involved into the team, and then he's his second, and then he starts his his uh, his his career. But once I mentioned Louis Van Gaal, I think pretty much the next one, even though there were some managers uh, in between, and I would say that the one that really start building the foundation of the second generation of of Dream Team under Per Guardiola is once again another Dutch player, Frank Reichardt, right? right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, so I would say Louis van Gaal, Reichardt, 
there is no doubt that the guy that has you know has had more success at Barcelona as a manager is is Pep, and you know Pep's story at Barcelona, you know, being a player since he was 14 years old, being a Catalan-born, Catalan believer, uh, knowing the club very well from a small town outside Barcelona, being called to play for FC Barcelona, going through all the categories, and then being some sort of like successful as a player. And then suddenly, out of the blue, a new president arrives and decides that he's going to you know, play with fire and is going to put him as manager and give him that responsibility. And that was a very smart uh, move. And I think history um, was was written. I don't think I've ever seen any team playing with the uh, with the category and with uh, with that dominance in terms of in terms of football. Even more than what City is doing, that what Bayern mm-hmm. Munich did. And so on. I think uh, Pep did something at Barcelona for a few years that is, there is no way anybody is going to repeat. And as I mentioned, I believe at the beginning, for me, that is the main mistake of the current FC Barcelona that everybody is waiting for the next manager that might mirror or replicate what Pep did. did. And nobody's going to do that. Guarantee you, nobody's going to play yeah. with that su- with that supremacy, right? It's it, it is it is literally uh, impossible. It didn't matter. You were watching a Barcelona game, and they were two nil down, and you were relaxed, and you will say it's fine. They're going to score six, yeah. and and well, they score six or four or seven or three. It doesn't matter. So, well said. I mean, I mean that Barcelona team was 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 really incredible. Staying on this. Uh, uh, I would say the golden period, the real golden period of uh, Barcelona after the 2000s, of course, was the Pep Guardiola uh, period when he was the manager. They were they were just winning everything. They were not only winning uh, on a domestic front; they won the Champions League. Um, the players actually went on and they rev. Uh, you know, they also played great football for the Spanish national team. So you could see the Spanish national team with the Barcelona players playing a certain way of football and they were winning the European Championship. They won the World Cup. So that was actually the golden period uh, of, of Barcelona. Would you say it's more of the team players, which is, which, which, is, which is really good? I know they had some great players, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi was there. Um, or would you say it's the brainchild of Pep Guardiola? No, it's, 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 it's team. It's, it's the team. I mean, it's an equation of, of maybe both, right? But I think Pep has said it many, many times. Uh, the players are the one. Uh, football belongs to the players, period. That's my belief in, in, in football. Uh, so so they are the ones, you know, on, on the pitch. They are the one playing. They are the one implementing the ideas of the of the manager. The manager role pretty much is, is, is to convince, as we say before, I need to convince you that if we play like this, we are going to be successful. And that's what Pep did when he reached Barcelona. Guys, follow me, right? You talk about nowadays being an influencer here or there. Pep was a, the, most probably a very serious influencer, convincing everybody to follow him and to follow his system, his tactics, his ideas, his football concepts. And he was able to convince, I would say, a nice group of 
players uh, that together uh, made a fantastic team. In addition, yeah, even he gave the chance to several players that nobody knew to mm -hmm. be upfront. I'm talking about Busquets, I'm talking about Pedri yes. and so on. And 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 he made them superstars and 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 made it even a better player. So for me, definitely a, a team effort with a very good component of having an obsessed, smart, intelligent, hard worker manager that was able to convince them. What an incredible because, team! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as as I say before, right? For Barcelona. It's not only about winning. It's winning yeah. plus playing good football. And Pep did that for a few years, mm, right? Crazy. And they were successful. So they 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 won so much. I mean, so many trophies. Of course, winning and playing good football, and yeah. that was unbelievable. It's, it's it's so crazy when we because I think the team before that uh, was the team uh, like uh, they had Ronaldinho, they had Eto as a striker. Eto. I think Eto yeah. was still there. They, they signed De Deco. Deco. Deco, Deco was still there. Yeah, Deco. A lot of good players uh, in that team. And then uh, he actually Pep came in. Uh, he actually, you know, rebuilt that squad. You know, he took some players he needed. Some the players. foundation was already there. I would Correct. Say. The foundation was already yeah, yeah, from Frank Rijka. Exactly. And and we mentioned that right that the right hard kind of like started uh, yeah. the the basic foundation and then Pep came and 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 uh, and and and, and perfection it. But. Uh, no, no, totally, totally, and uh, it's you know it was it, it was uh, it was great to to watch and you know to also see at the same time what you mentioned, Kelvin, that we you you know you could see FC Barcelona 75 percent of FC Barcelona replicated in our national team. Therefore, we were so successful from two thousand and eight to two thousand and twelve, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So fast forward to today. Okay, all yes. the good times, all the good times. Uh, you know, fast forward to today. I I do not see it being such a bad situation until maybe two or three years ago. COVID hit. Um, finances uh, went wrong. Um, they they decided to go with the Super League. So all these nitty gritty. They I think they had problems with their presidents. Um, yeah, is the team a mess right now? It's not just the team. I think it's a club. Uh, the club is uh, the club a mess. Sorry, the club financially is it's broke. Period. Right. Yeah, Barcelona has a debt of uh, one point three billion euros. Mm. This is not a joke. Okay, uh, there was terrible wrong club management a few years ago under Jose Maria Bartomeu signing contracts way longer than expected from uh, you know with you know figures that uh, were pretty much not planned and no way uh, they could they could uh, they could afford that a very good example even though i like him a lot as a player it's called frankie de jong frankie mm. de jong has been having a contract with barcelona right. but this this year has a contract uh, for 24 million euros per year which barcelona is not in a position to pay who signed that contract for or who who made that offer to frankie to frankie de jong so that's why barcelona 
they they need to find a solution and he might be leaving or they're asking him to pretty much cut his salary in like you you might be earning one third of these 24 right. only so really awful uh managing of of finance uh, some of the signings i mean you might not remember these guys but they pay 160 million euros for dembele and 154 yes. coutinho coutinho yes right and both so didn't work out. i mean dembele is exactly. a bit Dembele is maybe 50-50. Yeah. Even Griezmann, yeah, they paid a big amount, right? 100 million. Yeah, maybe. like one, yeah, 125. Yeah, 125. Yeah. yeah, and they received 222 from for for Neymar from PSG, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and and yes, you can you we can argue that oh that but that was market price, yeah. Oh Borussia Dortmund, that was the price that Dembele, you know, whatever, you know that you know there are some decisions that have been really really wrong. So nowadays, what's going to happen? We'll see. The only solution, the only thing that is going to save Barcelona is that if they start winning something, okay? But as I say, the pressure is super high for Xavi as a new manager. And don't forget, this guy and managerial level has very little experience. Of course, yes, in Qatar, he's been managing Al Saad and so on, but not at super, super high level. Uh, You know, his ideas of football are not going to be super new. We all know them. It's going to be maybe an evolution of Pep in in that sense. Uh, But if Barcelona, with all the signings and so on, and all the financial tricks that they had to do this summer to bring the good players, are not able to deliver and to deliver quick, again, I'm not sure if uh, they're going to have the patience to keep Xavi for, for so long. To be honest, historically... They're going to be up there and they're going to do a good season. But uh, for me, what is a killer is three things. Number one, that everybody is expecting Xavi to be the new Pep Guardiola as a manager. Yes. I think it's not going to happen. Yes. It's not going to happen. Top, tough job. And number two, um, he doesn't have uh, much experience. And number three, there is no patience. And, and, and in this, you know, nowadays, uh, world of football without, without any patience is. And it's it's very difficult. The only thing that you know might save this situation is that who do you bring to manage FC Barcelona? Who? Yeah, there is nobody. Yeah. Literally, no. There is, you know, I, I don't see anyone. You know, you thought about, you know, whatever. You know, Pochettino. Pochettino will never manage Barcelona. Yeah. He's a mega super Espanol fan. <laughs> oh yeah, he played for Espanol. Yeah, he played for Espanol. Of course, yes, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. He, he, and, uh, he said uh, that he said we bring, never managed FC Barcelona. Pep is a it's a dream, right, for them. Pep, no, Pep doesn't want, and I don't think I think Pep might come back to the club when Piqué might become president in a few years, because everybody knows that that's not a rumor. Piqué is going to be mm. the president of Barcelona in a few years. And he might bring Pep, I don't know, as part of the structure or, or, or you know, a sports director or, or something. Yeah. I don't think Pep will 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 manage uh, or will be the manager of, of Barcelona anymore. Don't forget, don't forget the reason why Pep left Barcelona, right? And that is something that is extremely, extremely difficult, which yeah. is uh, when you have a team that has won everything, Correct. to rebump that team, to create a revolution, yeah, with yeah. the players that have given you everything, is literally impossible. And you can go back in history; nobody has has yeah. been able to, nobody has been able to do it. And Pep say, "Look, if I need to fire Piquet, 
if I need to fire Xavi, if I need to, fire, I'm not gonna do this. So that's why he he left. Mm. I mean, there's a higher chance of Pep being a Spanish coach than 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 a Barcelona coach. Uh, I mean, no, he, he Pep, Pep, Pep is too much of a Catalan oh. uh, to manage the national team. Oh, but right, he did right. play for the national team, though. Won yeah, the and there were some Olympics yeah, gold medal with Spain. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and he did a very good job. But of course, uh, in the recent political episodes uh, right, for right. Catalonia and so on, he positioned himself very, very clear, and and I don't think that was well seen from mm. from from the from Madrid point of view. Okay, okay. I I got a question. I got to chime in. Sorry, Kel. Um, I'm just very curious that. You've mentioned Barcelona is in such big depths, but how are they managing to pull off all these signings? <laughs> Very good question, and the same question that everybody is uh, yeah. is asking. In particular, those teams that are not so lucky to have uh, these resources. So what they've yeah. been doing is they they've been they've been activating. Over, what Barcelona has been doing this summer is they've been selling fixed assets uh, uh, in advance. So, for example, they have sold they have sold uh, a certain percentage of the TV rights for the next twenty five years. So, in the next twenty five mm-hmm. years, they are not going to get a hundred percent of the money, the media money. They might get only seventy five percent. They also send whatever audiovisual services of a company that they had to another company. Um, yeah, I mean, La Liga as an entity is the one managing this, the one approving all these movements. And I want to believe that if La Liga is approving all these uh, capital injections, uh, then I believe what they're doing is uh, is legal. But I absolutely understand the question. And I also feel the pain for teams like, for example, I don't know, uh, Granada or Betis, which are pretty much in the same situation, and of course, they don't have the same level of assets that Barcelona has in order to get these um, capital injections into the club. Mm. Even outside, uh-huh. outside of that, like the clubs like Inter and all, you know, they they are also struggling financially, and they got to sell. It's like every season got to sell someone for big money. And then we can yeah. sign some players. Yeah. So, no, we, so I get it. It's like they're, they're selling players because it's 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 it makes sense if they sell the players. Yeah, and then they yeah. Raise it funds makes sense and if they, they sell players, Yeah, raise funds yeah. and then you sign new players. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the the point with Barcelona, I mean, players being a, a fixed asset is easy to sell, right? You know, you get an offer, yeah. you sell a transaction, done, clear. Uh, what Barcelona has been doing is that they 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 have been selling this summer future assets. So. So right. assets that they don't have, they don't have now. Yeah. So I'm talking about, you know, if in the next 25 years they will receive, I don't know, 20,000 million euros <coughs> as TV rights, they sold 25% of that. Right. So so in the next 25 years, uh, they won't get everything. They will get everything minus the top 25%. And if, my point is, if the legal entity that managed that approved that kind of operation because those assets are real assets, then uh, it should be okay. But it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating because, as you say, there are other teams struggling financially that they go like, how come they have this debt of 1.3 billion euros and they sign Lewandowski, Conde, 
Christiansen, blah blah blah. And they're not cheap signings, yeah. They're all uh, yeah. like in around forty million, fifty million. Uh, you know, they keep going on and on. I'm um, speaking about signings, uh, Antonio. Um, which new si- uh, new signing would be huge this season for Barcelona? I know they've signed a couple of players now. Maybe more players coming in. But who is that one player you think that is going to click for Barcelona? I'm, I'm going to mention. Okay, I will mention three names. Okay, okay. Uh, those that they project themselves as. Uh, as Barcelona experts that they know about football and that they've been preaching that Barcelona needed to fix their defense, uh, they are very happy with the signing of Jules Kounde. Okay, mm-hmm. and Jules Kounde is someone with you know I do believe that you know it's someone that could stay for Barcelona. Don't forget that this guy is twenty four, if I'm not wrong, yeah, somewhere around there, right? Yeah, so Jules Conde is is a good signing. Is you know, it's a present and future player, and in a specific area where Barcelona needs support. Yeah, uh, centre back, and also he can play also right back as well. Which by by the way, um, it's terrible. Both wings at Barcelona nowadays after the first game, terrible. But that's my first name is Jules Conde. The one second name I will share with you, which is like the wow moment this summer, which everybody has been surprised. And Barcelona has been able to convince him. And he really positioned himself saying, I want to leave Germany and I want to go to Barcelona, is Lewandowski. And for as much as he's 33, 34, I mean, that guy is a machine. That guy is yeah. going to score 25 goals in a blink of an eye. Guarantee you. I will be surprised if he doesn't score 15. Yes. yes. What I think is going to be the icing on the cake if they are able to do it. And that's, I would say, something that it might go until the last day of the last minute of the transfer market is Bernardo Silva from Man City. Oh. oh, that is a good player. That is okay a good player. because because number one, Bernardo Silva has already informed Pep Guardiola that he has a dream and he might want to leave Manchester City. Pep already was out the other day on on media press saying that I spoken with Bernardo. I'm not here to uh, to deny any dreams of any players. Clear. Uh, the only problem is that financially to fit in Bernardo Silva with all the financial issues and the financial fair play that Barcelona is dealing is a little bit difficult. But if you listen any sports magazine of Spanish football, in particular those from Barcelona, Bernardo Silva is the is the icing on the cake for this uh, for this season. If Barcelona is able to bring Bernardo Silva. If nowadays all the pressure is in Xavi, that that pressure will be times five, <laughs> because with Ber- if because yes, yes. with Bernardo Silva, Lewandowski, Lewandowski Kunde, Rafinha. Rafi. By the way, I didn't mention Rafinha, but of course, uh, excellent excellent player. We cannot forget Aubameyang, Dembele, Pedri, yes. Gabi, Nico. If Chavi is not able to assemble yes, a machine, a machine that destroys teams, yes. go back to Qatar, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> finally, finally, brings brings me to my last question. With all these players, 
do you think they can bounce back this season? Yeah, it's, it's so obvious. It's, it's of course <laughs> yes. I, so, and I, to be honest, I mean, I I I want to see a good more. I I want to see the good old times of you know Barcelona, not only winning but playing good football. And now they have a team. Yeah, that Chavi needs to assemble a team that plays not that that not only win games but they play uh, good good uh, good football. However, tough, eh? Real Madrid, as I say, is a hammer, right? They never stop. They're always there. They yeah. keep fighting. And mm. look at their campaign. Look at their campaign in 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 the Champions League last year, where they were down three times. They came back, and believe it or not, they they won another. I lost count how many Champions League do they have, right? Fourteen. Fourteen. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Madrid something amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. We couldn't thank them enough. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't thank for last season. We you couldn't guys, thank them enough. Uh, we were guys, we actually. You guys are terrible. <laughs> all right, but all right, hey, Russ, back to you. All right, uh, once, right. Yeah. Antonio, thanks a lot for sharing all your thoughts and uh, memories as well from the early days as well and uh, thoughts of Barcelona today. I um, promises to be an exciting La Liga race. I you hope so. To? Yeah, not a yeah, one I one legged so. yeah. one. Yeah. No, yeah, no. So, uh, who we, knows? I mean, Maybe Ronaldo. Start... Ronaldo might end up in uh, Atletico Madrid, and you know it could be uh, Ronaldo leading lines for Atletico. <laughs> If I don't know if you watch the highlights of of, of the game so, last yeah. night, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Atletico Madrid won three nil at Getafe yeah, with yeah. with uh, two goals from Morata, one Morata. from Griezmann, and they say that the dupla, the duo Morata Joao Felix was extraordinary. Mm. That's a good. That's a good one know. to see. Yeah, I don't I think. think yeah, I don't good, think so. I don't think Ronaldo's going to go there. Hey, you never Atletico, know, man. The transfer window yeah. is weird. You know, anything yeah, can happen. Yeah. He might come oh, to he Singapore. Come. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, maybe Home United or Tampanese Rovers should <laughs> sign up. <laughs> yeah, you could join Ballistic Alsa. Ballistic Alsa, you can join us. Ballistic Alsa, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, right. All right. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot uh, for listening, whoever's listening and watching as well. On, we are on YouTube as well. Uh, listening on Spotify. We've come to the end. This episode called the Barcelona Dream Team. And this is me, Raz, signing out. Kel, ciao. Until we meet again. Goodbye. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Welcome. Cheers. Yeah.